Hello and welcome to the Flex. Matt St. Jean here with Joe Howie coming at you live. Live show here. This is, this is something new, isn't it? This is definitely new. I, I mean, I said this last time. It's a, a new season, new starting five, basically a new roster, and the Flex has a ton of new toys. Yeah, we're excited for it. We're here breaking down the season opener which is tomorrow night, Joe. We're finally here. Big E starts tonight. Friars on the second day. They're going to take on the Ryder Bronx. Not the Broncos, the Bronx. It's quite a name. That name gets me every time. I, I, I've I read Ryder Bronx at least 60 times the past like month and a half. And just, I keep, think, I keep thinking like they're missing an O, but it's just, I just got to get used to it. At least for the next 24 yeah. hours. Yep, that's uh, that's what we're dealing with here, and that's who the Friars are going to play in their first game in the AMP, first real game in the newly named venue. They did have two exhibition wins there. I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Friars in a minute. I want to go through what we're gonna expect from Ryder here because I think they present actually kind of an interesting challenge. I think this is going to be one of the tougher opponents that any Big East team plays in the first week. They're in the top 200 in Ken Palm. They return four of five starters from last year, 74% of their scoring. All five starters, projected starters, are going to be seniors or grad students. And we know from last season what kind of an impact that can bring. So I think the Friars are going to have to bring their A game from the get-go here. Yeah, I think you're right with that, Matt. Actually, when you and I were prepping before the pod, you know, you surprised me with a couple of little of the facts about the Brighter Bronx. So I'm, I was eager for this game tomorrow. I'm a little more uh, cautious, cautiously optimistic about it now, um, knowing what I know. I think if we're looking for a historical Friar benchmark to look at for a game comparison, I think providence against sienna at the beginning of the 2018 2019 season i think that is you know kind of the tune that this game will play to um but who knows i mean we won't find out until tomorrow yeah you want to talk uh game comparisons first of all last season's friars beat fairfield 80 to 73 only a seven point victory in the yeah. opener people forget about that i kind of forgot about that until re-watching that documentary that, that the friars put together which oh, that was I awesome know. Yeah, spectacular stuff. Shout out to Nick Rojas for that. Really, really, really good stuff there. Um, last two meetings that Providence has had with Ryder, there was an 88-84 to 84 Providence win in November of 2017 and a 73-65 to 65 Providence win in December of 2015. There's two wins in the pre-Cooley era back in the, the 1900s, we'll say. And then Ryder has one win all time against the Friars in 1945 at the Boston Garden. But yeah, it's there's been some some close games for the Friars, both in non-conference and against this team with the exact same coach. I think I remember that game from 2017. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the one where Cartwright went down with that nasty ankle injury? And they went down and then, uh, what's his name? Tom Planet came in and hit like a three. I feel like I remember that game. It, that may well have been. I'm trying to remember. I might. I actually may not have gone to this game. I may have missed it. Cartwright played 33 minutes. Okay, so maybe it wasn't that game. Yeah. <laughs> 33 uh, minutes that was, busted ankle. Yeah, that was in kind of an interesting stretch for that team. They end up losing the next game to URI. And yeah, a weird start to the season for the 17-18 version of the Providence Friars. But this is a different one. Uh, sticking with Ryder here. 
the name you're going to want to know is Dwight Murray Jr. He was preseason All-MAC first team. That's MAC is in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. He had 13.1 points per game last year and led the conference with 4.7 assists. He was a unanimous pick for that All-Conference first team, too, which, I mean, it's talk about this. It's This is a real game. This is not an exhibition. This isn't a D2 or D3 team. This is a team Providence absolutely should beat but not one that's going to roll over on you. No, that you're exactly right. And I think um, a lot of times Friar fans go into these home openers against these lower opponents with uh, a little bit of a higher sense of optimism, knowing the conferences that we're matching up against and, and the, the types of programs that we're playing. Um, but, I mean, great example, last year, Fairfield. Two years ago, we played Fairfield in the home opener, and we beat the doors off them. Last year, that's not the case. And that was a veteran team that went to the Sweet 16 in the Providence Friars. This year, you're bringing in an entire brand new starting five, basically other than the four roster players in Bynum, Breed, Croswell, and Castro. You're bringing in an entire new roster plus walk-ons. This isn't going to be any any rollover by the Bronx. They're going to put up their best fight and look to steal a road win for the first game of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the other things that stands out when you look at the roster, too, the first thing I always do now when I look at an opposing roster for Providence, I always look to see who the tallest guy is. I call that <laughs> the Nate Watson effect. It's always, all right, do they have a guy who can match him? Not as much of a factor. We'll talk about the height of Providence uh, shortly. But the tallest tallest projected starter for Ryder is Ajiri Ojimono. Ojimono? Muno? He's 6'8". It's a pretty good player for them. He's set to break their, I think, career games played record by the end of this season. But at 6'8", I mean, he'll go against Croswell there down low. That'll be something to watch. They got a 6'10 guy coming off the bench, too, who missed last season with a torn ACL. Who, yeah, who might be decent. It's, I mean, this, this is a rider team that really is not spectacular, but they did get hot at the end of last year. They beat Iona in the conference tournament. Pick third in the preseason poll behind Manhattan, a Manhattan team that has entirely fallen apart. <laughs> we play them too. This, yes, we do. So this is the really the second best team in this conference with a first team all conference selection, experience, a coach that I believe is in his eleventh or twelfth season now. It's again, this is this is a real game that the Friars are gonna have to play. And I'm excited for it. They need this kind of test. Yeah, I think this is a good early test, Matt. And and I said this probably about a month ago now when we did our schedule release, but I said the first couple of games here that we're going to see starting tomorrow and then over the next couple of weeks are really these onboarding games for the Friars where they're not entirely too difficult, but they're going to present good challenges for a younger squad that's really playing together for the first time against an actual mm-hmm. Division One opponent. You know, take exhibitions, throw them out the window. Take the black and white scrimmage, throw it out the window. Take Bryce Hopkins' four-star high school uh ranking throw that out the window this is the first time these guys are stepping onto the hardwood together for a game that one counts to the record book and two is against a division one collegiate opponent yeah collegiate yeah collegiate (laughs) yeah it's a new group so they're gonna have to find some chemistry here again i think they started to find it in the exhibitions this is the rider team also a couple years ago that nearly beat st john's it was a three-point loss at st john's early in the season uh, made a run late in that game. Again, same it's the same coach, Kevin Baguette, has been there for a while. So, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, now, you want to talk about team chemistry, and we, we can bring this over to the Providence side of things. 
now. Ed Cooley today on John Rothstein's show seemed a little bit more optimistic about the chemistry and was talking about the development of Rafael Castro, a guy I know we're very excited to see play. Yeah, Matt, I know this is something that you had been closely eyeing in the preseason is Cooley's uh, attitude towards the team and, and, you know, the tone that he was speaking to them with um, or speaking about them with rather. And that's definitely reassuring, reassuring to hear that he's a little bit higher on the team now that the season it, we're on the precipice of the season tomorrow. Um, so I think that's a, a good start. And Castro, man, he, he is, uh, he's gunning for that Noah Horkler glue guy position and the season hasn't even started yet. He, he's just, he's that stretch big that can, you know, pull it from deep, but he, he's a, an elite rim defender. I'm excited to see him play because now I've seen him on the bench for uh, well over a season now. I haven't seen him in the uniform yet. I haven't seen any of the exhibitions. I didn't go to the black and white scrimmage. I'll be in person tomorrow, so I'm excited. That should be a treat. But I'm very excited to see Castro play. I'm interested to see how they're going to work that rotation down low because essentially they have five centers on this team, but uh, definitely excited for Castro. Yeah, and something Ed Cooley noted about him as well is that he has not played a competitive game in like two years because he was yeah. a red shirt last year and then he missed his last year of high school because of COVID. No season then. Um, so, yeah, and that's also something that can impact the recruiting ranking. I know this is a guy the Friars had liked a lot and maybe he, if he plays his senior year, he's going to go up higher. I think play style wise, he reminds me of Dawson Knox, which is a very interesting fit for an Ed Cooley offense. He's kind of Horkler, but... On, but just add like three inches. Like that's kind of what you're looking at here. It's like you took Horkler and you stretched him out a little bit and yeah. you, you got Raphael Castro. Yeah, that's, that's what we're looking at here. Uh, we hope. Obviously, we have to yeah. see if the three-point shooting will be there. Horkler was a very, very, very good three-point shooter. For the Friars, the, the starting lineup, we're assuming it's going to be what? Bynum, Locke. Locke, Carter, Hopkins, and Croswell. Yeah, I mean, again, you got to take the exhibitions with a grain of salt, but this is all we have to go off of. Um, first exhibition of the year, that was the starting lineup. When John Rothstein visited practice twice, he tweeted that that was probably the starting lineup. I think if you know you're someone who's a Providence fan who who as intent who watches these lineups as intensely as we do, you know that Cooley likes to go a little bit smaller. I think of. Pipkins, Duke, Reeves, Diallo, Watson as a very comparable lineup here. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the the beauty of this roster is that there's a ton of versatility. So I don't think that's the only starting lineup that we're going to see it hell even this week, really. I, I think yeah. Cooley might tinker based on the way the game goes tomorrow. But I think the safe bet is Bynum, Locke, Carter, Hopkins, Croswell. Yeah, that seems like that's what it should be. You talked about tinkering with the rotations. Ed Cooley mentioned today that Ed, he expects Ed Croswell to play 21, 22 minutes every night. What do you make of that? I think that goes back to the discussion we just had on Rafael Castro. And I'm going to throw Clifton Moore into this conversation as well, because I think if you look at Ed Croswell, he's what, 6'8", 6'9", versus yeah. Clifton Moore and Castro, who are 6'10", 6'11". So if Croswell's on a minutes limit and Cooley's guesstimating at about 21 22 i think we're gonna we're gonna see a revolving door down in the paint and what it reminds me of is kind of what purdue did last season with their two centers where you know it's kind of a revolving door and one comes in one goes out but they you know they both have the same impact maybe a little bit different because croswell's undersized 
but I definitely think we're going to see some sort of variation of Croswell at the four, maybe even at the five um, with more and uh, what's his name? Castro down there. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And it's this, the off, not the off, the early season is where you really start to figure out how to balance these lineups too, because I think you have w- what should be three good players at the center spot. And Castro is a guy who I think has can play the four or the five there, but also three guys who are not the complete package. Croswell does not give you traditional center height. Um, Moore is a guy who really probably not going to give you as much at the offensive end as Croswell will. And Castro is a guy who is still very raw and is probably not going to be giving you more than 15 to 20 minutes per game this year. And he's going to make his mistakes. He is not the biggest dude. He has the nickname Slim for a reason. He's long. (laughs) But you put it. You put him up against a guy. I mean, hey, you put him up against a guy like Adama Sanogo, and despite the height advantage, Castro might have some real issues with that because that's a that's a big boy. <laughs> yeah. That. Oh man. Um, no, I, I think you're spot on with that analysis right there. Um, and what's tricky about this rotation too is you can't really redshirt anybody. Mm-hmm. Croswell is a senior. Clifton Moore is a graduate transfer senior, and. Castro just redshirted. So you really are uh, your your back is against the wall when it comes to balancing this rotation. In years past, you know, not that this is by any means fortunate, but from a rotation standpoint, Emmett Holt ha- had a serious injury. So when it was Emmett Holt, Khalif Young, and Nate Watson gunning for that center spot, you know, you could wipe Holt's name off the whiteboard because he was out for the season. And that left you with the two-man Khalif uh, Watson rotation. Then we saw the same thing the past two seasons with Watson and Croswell. Now it's a little tricky because next man up should be Croswell. But like you said, Matt, Matt Croswell is undersized. I mean, we saw what he can do. He has a nice a little touch around the rim. He's more of a finesse player versus Watson, who is traditional back to the basket to each their own. I mean, both had a great impact last season. But, you know, that's different from what Castro is going to give you. And it's certainly different than what Clifton Moore is going to give you, especially on the defensive end. Croswell's not blocking shots of guys who are 6'11", 7-footers. Clifton Moore can do that. Yeah, and I think when you talk about Ed Croswell, too, when he's out there, you're probably going to need a little bit more defense from the four spot on the floor. That's where having Castro and Croswell out there together can probably help you. It's also going to put a lot of pressure on Bryce Hopkins here, really putting him into the spotlight, a guy who's been hyped coming out of high school, now hyped at Providence as a guy who can really be a jack of all trades and do everything on on the floor i'm excited to finally get my my eyes on this guy because we really haven't seen him play in college outside of one really good game against lsu last year he hasn't done much and i think it's I, the expectations are very high i'm excited to get to see him at least to get an idea of where he is in the process right now Yeah, I agree. I think I share that sentiment with you, Matt. This is something we talked with Tommy about on the Road to the Garden preview. This is something I wrote about in my Road to the Garden uh, article uh, about uh, Bryce Hopkins. But I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, was a bench rider at Kentucky and was a coveted four star out of high school. Hasn't really had much of a starting role or or really a significant role at at the college level yet. I almost said it again. I almost said collegiate. (laughs) 
um, at the college level. So you're you're asking him to step in, into some big shoes here, shoes that were filled by Noah Horkler at the four spot, Alpha Diallo at the four spot, Rodney Bullock at the four spot. That's a that's a position that re- it requires a lot of scoring from Cooley's offense. So mm-hmm. asking that uh, of a sophomore who doesn't have a ton of game time experience at the D1 level is a heavy order. Now, I know from an external standpoint, you know, people are very excited. I, I'm definitely more on the skeptical side of things. I, I mean, listen, he's probably going to come out. He's going to have a great couple of first games. I think the real test for Bryce Hopkins starts at Mohegan Sun. I think that's really when we're going to see what he's made of. I think tomorrow yeah. will be a good indicator of what he can do and what he is supposed to do on paper. Um, but again, uh, should be that jack of all trades should be that positionless player that Cooley likes to throw at the two, three, or four. But again, we're going to find out tomorrow where where he stands and how he plays in front of a crowd, too. That Dunkin' Donuts yeah. Center is, the is what? Some, something noisy, man. The uh, Amica Mutual Pavilion? <sighs> I, I'm not calling it that. It, it will forever be the dunk. Yeah. Uh, and for Hopkins tomorrow night, too, when you go against a smaller rider team and – one, obviously, it's an old team, so they're going to have a little bit of strength there. But this is a team that he should be able to bully. So I think that's kind of step one. Is this a guy who can make his own way in the paint, be able to rebound, be able to put back buckets, be able to muscle his way home to get to get his points? I want to see the shooting from him. You probably don't need that tomorrow night. That's, that you hope will come later, but I think you want to get that first bar of can he bully guys that he should be bullying. Get that out of the way. In that same conversation, too, I think, is Devin Carter, another guy who really likes to come downhill and go to the rim. We're going to talk about this whole backcourt here, which I think is maybe the most interesting part of this Providence team this year. Carter, I think, is going to have a nice matchup here. He's going to have some guys to go against. He's a nice defensive player. I want to see him attack downhill. You're going to have Locke finally in a Friars uniform, Bynum back in a Friars uniform, Breed also returning. Jaden Pierre has gotten rave reviews. Alan Breed, new number, but he's still there. Yep. Um, what do you make of this backcourt right now? To be frank, I think it's a little bit of a mess. And I don't say that with a negative connotation. Um, a mess in terms of there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Uh, you know, I think a safe bet is Jared Bynum's got the point guard spot, lock and key. That's his. And he's totally earned that after last season. I think when you go down the depth chart, this is where it gets a little murky because Alan Breed is a veteran on this team. It's his third year. He had a pretty good freshman year. His numbers dipped last season, obviously, because, you know, you bring Durham into the equation, Bynum heats up unexpectedly. So does Cooley give Alan Breed the veteran nod? Or does he go over Breed and go to Carter, go to Jaden Pierre with the youthful talent? This is where go it gets to, tricky. Does Cor- to Corey Floyd, Quante Berry, do they end up coming into this? Right. At any point? Uh, yeah, it becomes a really interesting thing. And I think what makes this even more important when you talk about the forward position, I mean, last year you had Manaya Reeves and Horkler all as wing players. Yeah. The only wing true wing on this roster right now, who's actually going to play is Bryce Hopkins. You got a couple guys, however you want to categorize Castro, you got a couple centers there and everybody else is a guard, which means you're probably going to see a lot more of these small lineups. And if that's the case, you need these guys to play good defense. You need them to be able to shoot. You got it. They're yeah. going to ask a lot of them. Really, really, really great point because the, the Cooley teams that we've seen that are successful, 
typically have those bigger guards, those wings. You know, you look at the 2017-2018 the Big East Championship game team. That was point guard Kyron Cartwright, wing Alpha Diallo, wing Jalen Lindsey, wing Rodney Bullock, and then forward Khalif Young slash center Nate Watson. That was that you rotation. Have, and you have Isaiah Jackson coming off the another, bench in that too. Another wing. Then you look yeah. at the 2019-2020 the team. Guard, Lawan Pipkins, wing David Duke, wing Alpha Diallo, wing AJ Reeves, center Nate Watson. I mean, you can go, yeah, I'll go I can go on for, for hours about this, but the teams that have been these successful Providence poster teams have a small guard, a couple of wings, and a big guy. And this year you're going from that to like 18 guards, one forward, and a bunch of centers. It, well, what I think is interesting about the 2019-2020 team is that was a team that when they were at their most successful played two undersized guards with Pipkins yeah. and Malik White and then had an undersized veteran center and a younger athletic taller center who would also come in and give you minutes. So I think there might be a little bit of overlap there in team structure. Now, obviously that point. team had by the end there, you kind of had David Duke and AJ Reeves as your fifth and sixth men there figuring yeah. into the equation. And you still had Alpha Diallo there who I think, I mean, I think it's fair to assume Alpha Diallo is better than Bryce Hopkins. I think you have Senior to assume year that until you yeah. yeah, so you're it's a spot where all right, you can you can afford to do some of that stuff because of how good your wing players were also. Even if it's just one or two out there, you're gonna get really good production out of them. Yeah. And this is something that you know Bill Raftery always says on the mic is the Providence wings. Like that that's one of Cooley's calling cards besides undersized point guards, it's wings. Um, mm-hmm. So we're, we're looking at a little bit of a different profile uh, structurally in terms of player size this season. I think we saw a little bit of, of a hint at what we could see too uh, from that second exhibition game where you start Bynum, then you, you start another guard, Locke, Carter, Breed, etc. Hopkins plays the three. You push Croswell up to the four. And then you can have that revolving door between Slim and Moore down low. When I th- I think they had Castro at the four for that game and Croswell at the five. But I think this is I think this is the interesting thing about that pairing is despite the size, Castro is a better three point shooter mm-hmm. and also Croswell's thicker. And I think defensively, <laughs> you'd rather have Castro at the four where he can then kind of roam a little bit. And he's not Justin Manaya, obviously. But no. he can be that guy who can play the four, but roam and freelance a little bit on defense and block shots and look to play make and all that. I obviously, we'll have to see what the instinct level is there at the defensive end. But they could try to do that. And I think I think the key to doing that lineup where you have Hopkins, Castro, and Croswell or more in there somewhere, Hopkins needs to be able to shoot the ball. Yeah, I think that's how you open that up. Absolutely, I, I think. You look at you take a look at last year's team, and obviously comparing apples to oranges here. But the reason Manaya earned all that time, aside from the defense, is he had the ability to stroke it from deep. You know, everyone on that team except for Watson could hit threes, and I think that's where you saw playing time earned. If Bryce Hopkins is you know shooting up bricks out there, he might be passed over for another guy. Yeah, and it's even if he isn't passed over, it's one of those where it just it changes the way you can play. It changes the rotations. I yep. think that's. I'll, I'll, we can kind of wrap up with this. What do you want to see from the Friars tonight? What's going to make you come away from this game feeling good apart from winning, obviously? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this out of the way now because I know I'm going to say it on the post game. 
Cooley's going to play 10 or 11 guys tomorrow. I, I think that is a guarantee. So I, that that's something that irritates me. I think smaller rotations typically play better. I, I've said that for the past five seasons. Um, yeah. So and I'm going to figure that out right now. They don't know who these guys are yet. <laughs> yep. So some guy, someone could be getting hot and then he could be sitting on the bench 30 seconds later. So that's something that's going to irritate me. But on the positive side, I think something I'm looking to see tomorrow is chemistry. I want, I want to see that these guys know how to play together. You know, I want to see Chris passing communication on high ball screens. I mean, that was something that was put on full display against Fairfield. And then Jay Wright hit copy and paste. And then Laval Jordan did the same thing. So uh, communication on high ball screens. I want to see uh, feeding the paint because I think that's something that we did a lot of last season and it really set the tone for our scoring. You know, I think Bynum is a proven shooter. Locke's a proven shooter. Carter can stroke it. I want to see them feed it down low and space the floor a little bit because if you get Croswell cooking, you get Clifton Moore cooking, you get Slim cooking down low, it's going to open up the three-point opportunities for your guards. So I think, you know, play inside out. I want to see chemistry and I want to see communication. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I think and I want to see a win, our... obviously. Yeah, that, that goes to that saying. We're starting with that one. Um, well, I'll kind of wrap here. One more thing for you. The line on this one is Friars minus 13. You taking the Friars? You taking Ryder? I don't know if I like minus 13. That's big. <laughs> uh, I'm hovering between seven and nine, so I would. I don't know if I'd take minus thirteen. Yeah, that's that is right about how I feel about this one too. I think I would take Ryder on that line just yeah. because it's so. I mean, this is you compare this to the opener against Fairfield last year, a team that was similarly rated, and you have a seven point game with a team that, in a lot of ways, is probably a better Providence team than the one we're going to see tomorrow night. I think I would take. Ryder, Providence covering that would not shock me though. No. I think it's just I'm going to be conservative until we actually see the Friars put the talent together. I think it would be pleasantly surprising if Providence wins by 12 plus. I think mm-hmm. that I would walk away satis- extremely satisfied with that. But if Providence scrapes together a seven to nine point victory tomorrow, I'll walk out of the Amica Mutual Pavilion. See, I caught it there. I'll walk <laughs> out of the Amica Mutual Pavilion with a smile. All right, well, we're going to see what happens. This is the 6.30 game on Tuesday. This will be the ninth Big East game to play this season. You can find it on Fox Sports 1. I, now, I do believe one John Fanta is going to be on the call here with Donnie Marshall. Fox Sports 1 there. 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That should be uh, – I'm, I'm excited to get John Fanta back on the call there. I'm excited to get Fanta back on the call. I'm excited to hear Taylor Swift, you know, bumping in the, I'm going to call it, I'm bumping in the dunk. I, I just, yeah. it's been a long time and she just dropped a new album, but. You listened to the new album? I did listen to the new album. Good, it's pretty good. good. stuff. Very, very good stuff on there. You've met my girlfriend. Quite... Of course I listened to the new album. <laughs> Nothing quite as good as You Belong With Me, if you're asking me. Taylor's version. No. Of course, I've been well-trained. Taylor's yes. version only. But um, nothing quite as good as that on this new album, but some very good stuff. We love Taylor in this group. This game is going to tip at 6.30 tomorrow, so please make sure to go watch that one. You can find us. We're going to do one of these after the game tomorrow, I believe. Joe, you will be there. So whenever you're home, I think we're going to do a a little (laughs) post-game for you, which should hopefully be a victory post-game. 
Biggie started last year 15 and 0. So hopefully the whole conference can keep that going. If that's the case, the Friars are winning this one. Yeah. Working? Yeah. No, I was going to say Georgetown, we're looking at you. Yep, they were the uh, Georgetown was actually not the team that broke it. Who broke it? Villanova. <laughs> at UCLA. They had yeah. that 11, 11 p.m. Eastern tip. Yeah, and then Georgetown that. lost the next day. That's yep. Saturday. So, yeah. So the Friars will start 6.30. Georgetown gets the 8.30 game. And then Seton Hall will play Wednesday night. Uh, one, I'm going to slip this in here, Joe. I don't, did you see the injury report for Seton Hall? No. Did that just come out now? Uh, earlier today, they got three guys who are apparently out indefinitely, including Alexis Yetna. Ooh, that getting is a tough loss. Yeah, that's a that's a really rough position for them to be in. So we're gonna see who even takes the floor for the Pirates on Wednesday. But that's a Wednesday problem. For now, have a have a good night and uh, go Friars. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Go Friars.